one of the ways we summarize uh, <coughs> practice, Dhamma practice is kamatana, which means you're making a foundation, is a tana, kama in, in action, putting it into practice, we might say. And uh, so this is uh, usually a sense that the whole uh, Buddhism really hinges around the sense of practice and and karma action. Action is what karma means, means every action has some kind of result. Hmm. And we live uh, because we actually live in a in a realm which is a cause and effect. Yeah, so when you want to al- align yourself with that and find out and make your way through that, you have to live conscious, aware of cause and effect. That's that's what we're born into. We're born into a a realm of cause and effect. We are causative creatures. We cause things. We're affected by things. So you have to really align yourself to that. And to see right from the very obvious external qualities of action, what we do, it's moral, it's hurtful, it's sensitive, um, to what we believe or think, attitudes we might have, down to even the way we regard ourselves and how we cultivate or don't cultivate or mess up or clean up our minds. So calm is a very um, big topic and it, it actually goes, it's not just purely external activity, it's also internal activity, we might say. <clears throat> and we're affected by all of it. Everything affects everything else. This seems quite overwhelming, actually. You recognize you're affected by the weather, by the politics, by the economic uh, things. And also just by your own personal context, what's happening in your body, your health, or lack of it, aging. Also affected by, very powerfully affected by, uh, parents and social conditioning. So we're kind of programmed and tuned in and blueprints get laid down from when we were born, brought up. You know, and then you're in a society which conditions you in terms of certain values of what's proper or decent or polite or um, you know, manly or feminine or whatever. Um, you know, what's funny. Um, and then also just the whole um, kind of sense of the something in, in one's mind is continually looking for, intending towards whatever's pleasant. So that, that's an action too, that's a kind of intentionality. So the action is karma, but karma is, is fundamentally is, is, a, is, a, is not just an event, it's a force, it's, an act, it's a kind of an energy. Mm. So it's not like there's kind of um, matter or lumpy things, and then, then there's kind of other lumpy things and occasionally some sort of spurt of activity occurs between two lumps. But actually it's just everything is, is, is dynamic. You know, it's more like waves continually cascading and, or, or sounds in a, in, a, in a hall or you get, kind of like, you get feedback loops in electric currents, circuits, it's like just continual play of everything. This is karma, it's an active, it's a dynamic. It's not an action between two fixed things it is actually the nature of of experience is is is, is energetic. Mm. We only, but our systems organise that into fixed things. Yeah. That's a dynamic process whereby one's eyes, one's mind, one's eyes, one's brain, one's body actually keeps. So the sensors keep organizing what is really light impulses and sensations and flushes and responses into fixed entities. So it looks pretty solid out there. 
That's what, cause what you, that's what his sense organs designed to do, to make it solid, look solid. Yeah. But when you or, or feel solid, you actually you just feel what sensation feels like when you touch something. There's a kind of gentle pulse to it, tingle to it, flush to it, where it begins and ends. You touch something in your hand, and the, the sensation may be in the fingertips as a gentle kind of pressure, fluctuating pressures, and it travels a little way further into the body, and it kind of fades, and it you know it doesn't actually just no, there's no lump there it's all just resonances so this is just this whole system of, of cause and effect yeah. and everything is is affecting and, and being affected we have to align ourselves with that because it's really you come down to the, the fundamental building block of the universe, if you like, is intention, is, your, is just the actual quality of the energy that's happening. Mm. Yeah, you know, that, that's, the, that's the core of it all. <laughs> this is very difficult to, to really, you know, conceive of. Because we're so sense organs are so good at establishing things as as fixed and solid and out there. Mm. So when you close your eyes, you remember that's an activity. Remembering. When you have your eyes open, what occurs is you see something, and then there's a particular reference to to a meaning. Yeah. You don't actually see in things. You see and interpret. Oh, it picks up some light and assembles it into a pattern. You know, oh, that's Joe. That's a cow. That's the door. You know, really, you get it. Yeah, that's what meaning is. That's a, that's a certain activity occurs mm-hmm. called perception. And so yeah, you just had an eyeball down there on the floor, wouldn't know what was going on. But it's when it gets as, as indeed, you know, a newborn baby is still trying to figure out, you know, trying to figure out what that, what, what is in, you know, eyes swivel around when they open up, trying to figure out what's going on out here, you know, looking at these kind of pink things that appear in his field of vision, recognizing, well, that's, that's a me bit out there, you know, don't eat it, um, that's my hand. You see them doing that a lot, very new young children, don't you? Very little tiny tots, kind of gag, 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 you know, trying to test out how the thing works, the body works, and what, what's around. Mm. Painful experience, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, this is kind of what, what we experience then is, you know, is you can see as a kind of very obvious external level of that. You know, what seems to be external. Then we, you know, our physical context, physical environment, we're affected by that. You might say another level, that's kind of social environment. What other human beings are doing. We all, we all tend to live in, in, in states which are kind of loosely held together by laws and customs, so we're all kind of inheriting that and affected by that. And routines and modes of behavior will get up, go to work, do this, do that, you know. Uh, and it's done, you know, this whole kind of systemization of, of our lives, we're affected by that. And the various infrastructures that we're, we're you know, we, we follow in this country are affected by that. When you get values, value systems, you're affected by those. And these, I call these different fields, they're fields of experience. And we, we are kind of somehow nestled within all this. And somewhere in the, in the center of it is the field of the body, what the body's doing to us at this particular time, with its flushes and pulses and twinges and 
vitality and lack of it, tiredness, happiness, physical pain, disease and so forth. There's all that stuff going on, being affected by that. And then there's the uh, thinking mind, what the thinking mind is doing, what it's bringing to our attention. We're affected by that. We can be thinking about work tomorrow, work yesterday, um, family, friends, problems, points, issues. So we're affected by that. It gives us a certain busyness or buzziness to that, an energy there. You can get quite um, overwhelmed by it sometimes. You just want to stop it all. And there's also, we might say, the emotional field, which is our moods. And not just the moods, but the general um, empathic tone, the hedonistic tone, if you're light, if you're breezy, if you're spacey, you feel dense, you feel a bit overcooked, feel a bit bleak, um, there's that, you know. And then it could be more, more formulated emotions like anger or fear or dread or joy or uh, excitement, you know, see, that's all that's happening. And it's kind of flooding in and out. We're, that's, what, that's what's going on, isn't it? Is there anything else going on? <laughs> Apart from that, all that we could say is karma, <laughs> cause and effect. Because <laughs> it all generates, so it, gets some, it, it has effects. Yeah. Yeah. You can't actually step out of that by um, hanging on to something, some place. But there is a, uh, there is a release from that, which is a, what the Buddha taught. It, release comes from correct alignment in terms of karma. You know, very often we're pushing against something that, that isn't that that's resi- we're resisting things. We're struggling with things, we're looking for something to happen that isn't happening, we're regretting something that happened in the past. Um, there's kind of all kinds of inner tensions and, and torsions going on. And then we also, there's a certain amount of uh, concern about one's self-image, what will happen to me. And the, the big um, lump in the system course is that, that really goes out of sync with everything is the sense of self. Yeah. So the sense of self is something that tries to supervise the whole lot. Yeah. It's a kind of uh, a catch-all. It comes back and says, well this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to make this happen or not have that happen. Yeah. So that, that kind of everything comes back to that, doesn't it? And when you begin to uh, just feel into what that feels like, it feels pretty heavy at times. You know, woof. Um, so maybe it's trying to handle this whole conjuring act, but yeah, it gets pretty busy and pretty stressed just trying to um, cope with the, the scope of phenomena that, that, what, that one could be in, in dealing with. So most people just start to shut off certain areas, like just, you know, can't think about that, can't handle that. Don't know about that. Don't want to know about that. Stop that. And if we can't shut it off, then blot it out with something else. Yeah. You know, like the world's too big, isn't it? We get overwhelmed. So we just kind of shut things down or load ourselves with other things. So it just kind of blots things out. We don't have to think about, you know, the future, the family, the past possibilities, what I might be, what I could be, what's going to happen to me, what's not going to happen to me, what never's going to happen for me, what should have happened to me, and so forth. It is, ugh. Um, put, you know, give me a drink, do something, get me out of this, this thing. <laughs> so very often you can't actually handle the amount of stuff that's, that's ricocheting around, and we just try to find something to, to, to fasten on to. Mm. But that that's a strategy which I suppose we all adopt, you know, to a certain extent. It's 
kind of coping strategy. But it gets kind of, um, the effect of that is, is, is not great, you know, because it, you get a sense of like you've got to keep on the run. You've got to keep uh, ducking and weaving. Um, and sometimes, it, you know, sometimes you don't, it doesn't work. You know, the conjuring trick of trying to handle the world doesn't when you collapse in a pile of dirty dishes, you know, or whatever it is, the kind of whole lot tumbles down. And kind of, you know, you, you did a duck and a weave and it didn't work. <laughs> and we have to, you know, recognize our vulnerability. Vulnerability, the impotence of ourselves. Because the self view can't actually handle the karma. Can't actually handle it. Tries. We get at final ways in which we can protect ourselves, not bother with things, you know, get rid of creepy people, get rid of creepy insects, get rid of, you know, things that bother me I don't like, just shut it out, forget about it, stop it, damp it, repress it. And things in myself are a bit funny, well, shut that down push that away, turn the volume up, have one of these, that'll make you feel better, forget about it. Yeah. Um, you can ideo- make an ideology out of it. You know, my, my religion doesn't, we don't think about those kind of things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't believe in that or whatever. Um, uh, so, that, and so that you get you know, whole, this, this kind of strategy which can occur in relationship to the to the to any of these levels, external level, events, or the internal level, internal events, disease, death, uh, loss, bereavement, not getting what one wants, um, feeling frightened, feeling lonely. Yeah. But the more that we adopt these, these strategies, the more that there's a build-up of all sorts of tangled um, feelings and moods and energies in the mind. It, the karma is still there, but it's not, it's not actually coming through in a straight way, so it gets sort of twisted up. So people, you see, you often find there's two or three voices in their heads. You know, just, no, just shut up, stop it, don't talk about it. Maybe I'll think about something else. Oh, it's a good idea. Stop thinking right now. Okay, so what should I do with this? What's going on, you know? Who's talking to who? It's like the feedback loops are just playing. And you get this stuff going on, and there's emotions in the heart which are not, we can't really handle. So there's this kind of babble in the brain helps to keep it down or siphon some of the energy off. And it gets very confusing because our, our self apparently becomes quite clear. It's not sort of a coherent thing, and it gets so it's not a it's not a happy, fulfilled, pleasurable, easeful thing. It's a kind of it's a series of strategies and um, in coping mechanisms, and it gets like that. And sometimes it, you know, it can't manage it. So we have to do a lot of denial and distraction. And it gets quite weighty, doesn't it? Do you ever, you know, feel how weighty one life, one's life can be? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What's going to happen? How am I going to manage this? You know, Ooh, can I keep going? Can I keep, just keep going with you know, kids and this and then that and then and then? And then. Ooh, you know? So the the sense is that actually, what the self view as experience does. In some ways, it, it takes it takes the pressure off because we're at, we, it's kind of managed to sideline and ward off and placate and and you know um, make us impervious to certain things. The result is 
we rely upon that to, to lead our lives. We don't believe, we don't feel that life will just lead itself. The system will happen by itself. It will, just like breathing in and out happens by itself. We don't feel that our life can kind of flow along in an easeful, wonderful way. We feel we've got to make it and think it and figure it and do it and work it and so forth. So it gets to be quite a, quite a struggle. And somewhere in there, there's a sense of, you know, time is running, we have a limited resource, time is running out, isn't it? We're, we're like fish in a pond that's gradually drying up. Uh, how much energy do you have left? How much health do you have left? You, you know, your sinews tighten and stiffen. The energies go uh, lower as one ages. The sense faculties dim. The agility dims. The ducking and weaving gets a bit more clumsy. You, know, uh, you don't sleep so well. Troubled dreams. Things like this. So, you know, how much? How much more have we got left? Yeah, it's really good to to bring that up to remember. You know. On the strong basis of kamatana is just a reflection on mortality. Not to make us feel depressed, but to say, you know, look, what you, you know, how much time you got left, what are you going to do? Uh, what's really going to be for your welfare? Let's just do some pruning here. Hmm. Uh, but also with the very strong encouragement that you can do something very worthwhile. Uh, you can apply yourself to something immensely worthwhile. The only thing that you really can do as a clear, full action that has clear, full consequences is wake up. The rest of it is just kind of bouncing and juggling and ricocheting and, you know, and yeah, I mean, that's what we can do if we don't think there's any op- option naturally. Everybody wants to just try to get by in a happy, healthy way. But there is a, an option, you know, the waking up option. And so the, the kind of activities that one undertakes in order to bring that around and consider the most purposeful activities. This is called the karma that leads to the ending of karma. The actions that lead to the end of having to keep going and doing and making it happen. The actions that lead to the alleviation from self-view, from the weight of life, where things can happen. So meditation is a very um, fundamental requirement for one's welfare. And essentially, it's also it resonates through the whole the whole of the world, whole of the world you touch, because you know if your system strained and stressed and tetchy and fearful, then what kind of energy is it going to be putting out? Hmm. So it's hardly considered to be an indulgence to actually refresh and brighten up the system. It's considered to be an act of great compassion for the world to make oneself less of a blight on, on the planet. <laughs> because we're very potent creatures, you know. You get a bit tetchy and snappy, you know. You can do all kinds of mischief. All kinds of mischief. So the sense of really healing one's own system is is a requirement, absolute requirement. And of course, it brings around your own welfare, but it also means that your your energy is going to come out a lot less uh, distorted or true. 
In terms of our, um, you know, the most immediate source of calm is our body, our thoughts, our hearts. Mm. And actually they are, they are very much in, interconnected. So when you feel physically tense and tight, then you don't experience a quality of, of ease and joy. When you feel physically strained and depressed, you don't get the sense of, uh, of ag- mental agility, clarity of mind, you don't think straight. When you, th- when you think too much, you lose touch of the body, you get uh, abstracted. Sometimes we lose touch with the, the true empathy and emotional base. It's one of the real um, diseases of our time, of our culture, is when to think so much, plan so much, figure things out so much, and live in situations where often people are not empathic with each other. You just, you know, you've got to get through a railway station with 700 people in it. You know, you can't really open up and sense them all. When you're busy, everybody's busy rushing off to th- thinking where they're going and listening to their mobile phones and zipping off somewhere else. So you're in this strange kind of virtual reality where there's people there, but they're not there. And I'm not there. It's just everybody's not there. There's hundreds of us being not there together. You know, people muttering in corners to themselves. People talking into bits of plastic. People looking at bits of paper. People zoom rushing off places. You know, occasional comments thrown hither and thither, looking at notice boards, throwing down a cup of coffee, marching hither and thither. You know, and where? In a kind of, you know, the world they're in is is a world of powerful energies, but all, nothing actually that permeates. It's just going up in head into the world of ideas and possibilities. You know, how can you actually have a sense of empathy at that partic- in that particular state? And so, you know, what can occur is that one system gets accustomed to not being in, in an empathic sense, to just people who just Features on the on the retina, you know, object. Is it you see basically threatening me or offering me something? Otherwise, you know, just keep moving. Um, and then some sense of hey, there's somebody in there. I wonder if they're all right. Or how is that for you? You know, that doesn't that doesn't tend to happen. So one kind of gets used to that as a way of being. Uh, because it certainly makes functioning a lot more uh, quick and effective, isn't it? You don't have to feel out what's going on, just think in terms of two o'clock, five of these, ten of those, do that, do that, and you can get it in the abstract world. And so we're often in our culture, we're very much conditioned into that, living at that level. And then we might be living in a street, in a city, you know, there's 700,000 people in that town. You know, eight of them. Yeah. On your street, you've got maybe, you know, 100 people on the street, you know, three. A lot of people, you know, you're not with at all. Visiting somebody the other day, living in a little house, shared house with four other people. Nobody actually, they didn't know each other. Everybody has a little room. There's a sort of shared bathroom. We obviously, you know, actually, it's sh- all simultaneously shared. <laughs> you know, four of you in the tub together could be a bit much. Might be good actually. Get to know somebody, wouldn't you? <laughs> so using the lavatory and you having a bath. Fine. But <laughs> but there's sense that there's actually everybody lives there who were just have their clothes there and their, 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 prop, their possessions and then people are off at work and then, you know, and then they go off on, in their car, eat in a service station on the motorway, talk to someone on the mobile phone, 
go to the office, write a few emails, you know, and there's no actual sort of real people there. <laughs> you go home and go to sleep, get up, go out, come back, and then you go off for your evening out. But actually there's a house with four people who don't actually know each other. You know? And this kind of accommodation, and I suppose we might not live like that, but in your street, how many people do you actually know, say hello to, uh, or say more than hello to, you know, and hello is just a kind of this gesture, but that you really feel some sense of empathy for, feel that they, they have empathy for you, you know, um, interested in you, concerned for your welfare. So what's it like, you know? Where do you go when it's like that? When I was in Denmark a few years ago, remember this uh, sounded really quite wonderful in many ways. It was social service where everybody can get welfare, welfare payments. So if you're sick, you know, you go down to some bureau and they give you your money or your whatever you need. Um, I was talking to somebody. Said, oh, this sounds really very nice country to live in. And this woman said, yeah, the problem is that nobody needs anybody. So you've got all these people living alone with their canaries. Because, <laughs> you, you know, nobody, nobody needs anybody. You just get it all from some clerk or through the post. You, know, you don't have a, a fat, no family. No sense of people looking out for each other. It's all just kind of given in a kind of... Uh, you know, anonymous way, which is better than not being given at all. But in terms of the actual, you know, the what's what social effect is of estrangement. You know, there's a lot of people living in single rooms with their canaries, talking to their canaries. Unfortunately, they're still talking to the canary. The canary, vague interest in them. Better than nothing, I suppose. And so, what actually happens, you know, what's going on to to the to the human being? And then, if we don't have that sense, if that system, if that energy, and this isn't really operating or working or encouraged or acknowledged, you know, then we we don't do it to ourselves anymore. You know, if you don't get that message from other people that, well, how are you? How are you doing? Having a good day? You know, I'm no, I noticed you. you know, not just the speck on the screen, but what's happening for you. If you don't get that message, then you know, you're not getting some, sense, some, some encouragement that, that that's a thing to do, to look in and, and have a sense of welfare. I can get like that, you know. He's kind of plodding around doing tasks, and then somebody just says, Well, how are you? And I go, Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. And it's just a sudden kind of the reality shift from, from being all out there doing, there's a sense of another dimension. And it's a, the most useful um, question. Not that has there been an answer, but just to re- remind, How is it? Mm-hmm. And then this is something that we take into meditation. Not making meditation just another series of functions or tasks or... But how are you now? Just, just how is it now? You don't have to do anything. It doesn't have to be any particular way. It doesn't need to be that clear even. You're not going to come out with a kind of printout, you know, <laughs> record of every emotional twitch or feeling that's going on. It's not. It's a vague sense of, well, I'm okay, I guess. But then, um, just a reminder that uh, we have the possibility for 
unconditioned ease and happiness. And if that's not there, what else is? So when we have that kind of reminder, which the, which the Buddha Dharma presents to us, there's a possibility for the complete absence of stress. Now what's happening? You can recognize and feel a certain tension in the system, a certain absence, a certain feeling of holding on, waiting for the good bit, holding out against the possible unpleasant things, leaning towards the future, sort of feeling a bit cowed by what went on yesterday. You know, suddenly it comes clearer that there's quite a lot of cramp in there, quite a lot of, 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 of imbalance in there. May not be manifesting as huge mood swings because, you know, personally my system has learned to just to cope with it all. You know, I don't explode that often or implode, I just kind of keep going. <laughs> you know, so you just learn to kind of stiffen up around certain, a whole lot of stuff and just shut it down and just, that's all right, it doesn't really matter and that's the past and what can I do about that and anyway, it doesn't, you know, and on the day, keep going, you know, got to be good, got to keep going, can't fall apart. So you get that kind of tension, stiffness and then, mm-hmm. So sometimes just, just that kind of acknowledgement of the amount of stress, the, the, the tonality of stress, worry, not restful, not really settled here, not feeling, you know, fulfilled here, not, not feeling, you know, not getting enough of this or whatever, not getting enough. And just kind of developing a sense of heart around that, space around that, empathy around that, just to be with that. And this is actually is not doing that much, but it's the the beginning, and sometimes it's the it's these very uh, simple and subtle beginnings that open up practice of the, or the pathways of the Brahma-vihara, the uncontracted heart. It's very important cultivation, the sense of uh, all systems need nourishment. Everything from a slug to uh, society needs some kind of nourishment. Even, you know, Inanimate things seem to benefit from giving some care and attention. Things benefit from nourishment. All sentient creatures, all living systems, look for nourishment. Breathe in. Get some juice, some energy going. Look for food. And the human system looks for Food in terms of food for the heart, something to to lift or to feel welcomed in. Are you getting your food? Hmm. And sometimes we recognise we're not getting it, and uh, just the recognition of that is the beginning of uh, finding, you know, the quality of of intending kindness, intending nourishment towards yourself. It's not something you've got to come up with and do, but the real, almost like once you recognize the stress that's there, something's, oh dear, oh. And sometimes the mistake is thinking you've got to do something about it, like come in with an answer or a solution or pick yourself up or pull yourself together or slap something onto it now. You know, but it's really the holding the space of the stress without turning away. So, like we say, non-aversion. We don't turn, we don't avert. We're not averse to that. We're not putting distaste onto that. We're not blaming, criticizing, worrying, fretting, 
feeling depressed about it, but just open to that, to the stress in the system. And that's the quality of of uh, contact, which is one of the four foods, just contacting something. So it's like when you touch something. You know how healing is just just a touch, to be touched, when you're frightened or panicking or. You know, just how nice it's if somebody just touch you. You know, not doing anything, just the sense of touch. It's like something in you feels more steadied and calm because of that, that touch. Touch itself is a form of food, contact. And in meditation, we're, we're touching our own stress, our own heart state with awareness. Not with any other any attitudes or analysis but just with pure awareness touching the heart state it's very nourishing actually all systems need uh, protection and shelter and everything seeks for that seeks for something that will ward off hostility ward off painful impingement uh, seeks that out doesn't it do you feel protected? You recognize how much in a, a day impingement is happening in an unnegotiated way, just stuff is just coming in, bap, 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 and it's sound, and it's telephones, it's sharp, shrill things, and it's things that jump, and it's things that flash, and it's things that pop up. And it's things that demand, and things that beg, and things that threaten, and things that charge. And it's things that want, and it's things that need, you know. And it's really a lot of uh, impingement there. That's not about, well, hey, how are you, you know? <laughs> uh, so you get the contact is is is, is quite, um, you know, it's not actually nourishing, but it's pulling out, pulling out, pulling out, pulling out. You know, one needs a sense of, of protection. Sometimes you feel quite raw peeled, uh, battered, when physically nothing's really touched you. But there's been an enormous amount of psychological um, of chafing. The protection, this is what's called the compassion, is the wish to protect. Just to, to, and um, it's a form of food. Mental intention is a form of food. It's the intention to spend an hour just finding out where one feels safe, recognize, you know. Now, most of us, you know, actually, in any particular moment, say, well, yeah, yes, yeah, nobody's fine, nobody's bothering me, I'm safe, I'm okay, I'm fine, you know, it's good. Um, but we, though we, we think that, physically we may be okay, but we don't really know it deeply and fully. The parts of your body don't actually recognize that, that the pressure's off now. Yeah. So there's still some tension in the hands, there's still a kind of tightness in the belly, there's still a kind of shieldingness happening in the chest, because we haven't actually let the body recognize or fully recognize. So a lot of our meditation practice is just about pervading. Uh, what samadhi is about is, the, is, a, is not just the sense of tightening up to concentrate, but actually steeping, saturating your entire being with calm, with ease, with stability, with warmth, with joy. This is what the basis of samadhi. It's often translated as concentration, but I think it's quite an uh, unfortunate term because for most of us, concentration is one of those tightening up experiences where you focus on one point, hold it, get on with it. There's a kind of urgency to it. And samadhi is actually a sense of unification that occurs when your whole system is present and easeful. 
there's not one bit that's left out. This is so meditation is really the cult, one of the primary cultivations of it is to cultivate samadhi. And so rather than thinking of it too much as, as you know, get concentrated on the breath or concentrated on a mantra or you can't concentrate or you've got to be one point, just, just you know, the fretting and the stress of the heart. Um, or it's another thing you've got to do, a bit more weight for your poor battered ego to, to struggle with and feel itself can't manage. You know? But just spend time going through the body Asking the shoulder, the right shoulder, hey, are you all right now? <laughs> you know, running down the arm, each finger, just letting it soften and relax. Going into the tongue in the mouth, the eyes around the eyes, just touching them with awareness, breathing in, breathing out, touching with awareness with a sense of may this be well it doesn't have to be well but you know, you're free to because <laughs> the, the, uh, the way the system is is if, if you stress is something that's conditioned into the system it's actually not innate we're not born stressed out <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it, we get conditioned into it yeah so if you can just come out of the condition, out of the additions, out of what gets loaded on, you come back to an innate state, which is, is unconditioned. And so very much the process one of, in Buddhism is one of, of releasing or relieving or clearing away the, these, the conditionality, conditioning that is, occurs through just being here. Being sensitive in a in a realm where values are, are get confused, where the society is is aligned in particular, you know, ways about function and purpose and money and so on. So it's not functioning. Not the whole principle is not one of be well, loving kindness, be aware. It's it's that's not the whole guiding principle of our society. We say it is, but it isn't. <laughs> you know, you try. So, um, you know, one has to recognize that if you don't do something against the current of that, then that's what is going to steep, saturate every fiber of your beings and get saturated by that. There's nothing, you know, because you're not an independent self. <laughs> you know, you're just a, a wave in a, in a flood of waves. And not only you're not independent, but also you're highly creative. That means that any effects that occur in this realm can be taken and fed back and magnified. You know? So you can have somebody says something to you in the morning, you know, a bit unpleasant, a bit sharp, and you can keep that going for the day, while building it up. You know? So your system has the ability to actually feed back into itself. How come, you know, you, you go to the office, you know, rush to get there on time, things break down, phone doesn't work, sort that out, angry client, do this, do that, do that, get back, get in the car, rush the car doesn't start, okay, get that sorted, get in the traffic, traffic jam, right, get home, and then the door squeaks and you blow up, right, that door is driving me nuts. How come a door can drive you nuts? You know? Because all the other effects have been stored and built up and amplified into this overwhelm, so you're at screaming pitch, and then you know, the sound of somebody dropping a frying pan and you, you, know, you want to murder them. Because yeah. it just, that's what our system's like. It builds up and accumulates. If you don't do something about it, <laughs> you know, that's what we end up living with and being. So it's really, really important to, to spend time just saturating 
like you like you clean your teeth or clean your body, you know, steeping the whole system in the sense of kindness or non-aversion, non-harshness, appreciation, spaciousness. And samadhi is the kind of the depth and uh, and the d- diligence of that, you know, the, the the commitment to it, the diligence to it, the really the the quality of intentionality that one's intention is unified around that. You know, samadhi is karma. It's a karma that heals. And if we bring that into the to the body, so it's not just a, a purely heart effect, but it's also embodied. You have the, you back it up with the power of the body's own energies, and you take that that quality right into your nerve endings. Yeah. Just notice that if your if your body is not really settled your mind doesn't settle it's like if you're slightly on edge then the mind frets and you're just really putting it into piece by piece in the body even if one bit of your body is tight then something feels distracted In meditation, we often just use the rhythm of breathing as a as a signature, as a tune to to listen to. It's almost like the the most primary rhythm we have. The rhythm of life is the sense of being nourished, filled by breath, releasing, relaxing, breathing out, trying to get not just the air but the whole meaning of that, probably more important than any, any physical sensation, it is the meaning of that and the energy of that. You can allow yourself all the time in the world to let an in-breath happen, you don't have to get it done and get on to the next one. You can give yourself all the time in the world to, to let your body breathe out. You don't have to finish and get on to the next thing. <laughs> so you, even just in doing something like that, you're actually disrupting very powerful conditioning of pressure and urge and things that are tightening and um, draining. Mm. Very important to, to, to just do that without even thinking you've got to achieve anything or be a good meditator because when the thinking mind, a stressful thinking mind, picks any idea up, it makes it into stress. When you have afflictions in the heart or about can't do, can't manage, it's so much, it's so much effort, I feel overwhelmed. And you say, okay, well now meditate. Oh no, not another thing I've got to do. You know, that's what it hears. It doesn't say, oh, this is the time to relieve your stress, you know. And so the heart doesn't, you know, that's what we, we kind of make these things into. Cessation of suffering becomes a source of suffering. You know? Because you haven't done it yet. You haven't done your cessation today. (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually, you get the sense of just developing that quality of, of non-aversion which has, and, and, and um, safety just pervading your system with that it doesn't have to, you don't have to like yourself you don't have to be wonderful, intelligent, bright, advanced it's just that, that's, that's another area it's just to, to appreciate a living system and um, immediately, directly be for the welfare of that and actually, if we do that, the thing is that we're able to function more with more discernment. We're not so frightened. We're not so impetuous. We're not so dismissive. We're not so driven in what we do. 
Sarah function becomes much more clear and agile and enjoyable. You can do that. And pervading, you know, which is a very important feature of meditation, to better spread through the body, through the heart, and even to the world around us. You pervade in your memory the people you've seen today, been with today, may they be well. Just, just developing a sense of acknowledging them empathically. You have know, to like them or think they're great or approve of them. You know, just whether I approve of you or not, is you're not kind of you don't have a calculator. Well, you think you did. How much meta I'm going to give you? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think it's worth wasting my many my meta on you. You've only got so much meta, loving kindness. I don't want to. I don't give it to people who really deserve it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. You know, that's not. That's not the practice is it because if there's anybody in my in my mind who have got some feeling of oh goodness deal with him I don't want to be with her she's a problem he's a, you know, then that's going to be affecting me isn't it so it's really important to develop that that sense of of just sweeping around in your mind every day at the end of the day beginning of the day there's a non-aversion I might contracting around anybody, am I walling myself against, off against people? May they be well. You're feeding that, the mind with that message. So actually we're, the unifying principle that we start to live our lives by is that sense of the non-aversion, the ceasing of suffering, and not picking up stress. It's rather like, uh, and the beauty of that is it takes the weight off. The system, once it's got something true to align itself to, feels in balance. Doesn't mean I've got to go around and solve every problem in the world, but just having the intentionality towards whenever you pick up the sense of stress, where where is the way of handling that without amplifying it, without defending oneself against it, without bashing it back, just to pl- provide the space for that to cease. Non-aversion, non-cruelty, non-distraction. This is unifying principle of intentionality. Believe it. Rather like when you do a, sometimes like in this sense of a do a headstand, you know, it takes a bit of grunt and push and a few topples to get it right. You know, you fall over, you worry you can make it, you've got to learn how to do it right. But actually, when you get there, the sense of it doesn't weigh anything, your body doesn't weigh anything. That incredibly light, balanced feeling to it. That's what it's like to be in fact it's not that no effort is required. Effort's required, skill is required, you know, fumbling around is required. But then actually the place of balance feels very light. And you begin to sense how what's really required is an all over vigilance sense of all over attention, not leaving anything out. If you keep that, 
and you can start to be aware when you begin to topple into the future, topples into the ought to be's, be pushed by these shadows from the past, start tightening up around one's self image. <laughs> you know, and anything like that, and you crunch, you fall over. It's just like when you're doing a headstand, you start to try and hold it, and you tighten up and you, it, you lose it. So it's just that sense of, of uh, perfect balance is what we can uh, aim for. This is samadhi. And it's something you can see the possibilities of, of attuning to in your daily life. Sadhu Karan Dadama Se Sadhu